from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Songs of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for January. I almost said July. I want it to be summer showing. Uh, <laughs> for January 8th, 2019. Sean Fairholm is with us from Global Golf Post. Uh, before we get to why Sean is on the show, what tournament were you covering today? I was covering the uh, National Senior Junior Championship at the Dive Reserve in Jupiter, which is a pretty cool event where uh, one mid-amateur teams up with a uh, senior amateur. So it's kind of a cool team event. Uh, it's 54 holes, and they have a few different formats. They do best ball, Chapman, and then scramble to end, and they are two-thirds of the way through as we're talking now. Final round is uh, tomorrow, so was out there covering it. Uh, why junior? Because there's no juniors from what you described. Well, they're junior relative to the senior partners they're playing with, I guess. But you have to be 25 and older, so I guess it depends on your definition of junior. Okay. No, see, I thought this was like some cool thing where like, you know, the best junior, you know, males and like some amateurs teamed up, you know, like some adult amateurs teamed up in some event. No, but I guess senior senior mid-am doesn't really sound quite as good. It's a little confusing, so... No, it's not. Um, all right, so uh, Global Golf Post, and, and don't correct me, okay? Just bear with me here. Um, is a free online publication that comes out every Monday by a bunch of really good golf writers. Um, it was founded by Brian Hewitt, I believe is the name. Is that right? Is uh, that... He was a part of the founding yeah. back, uh, back in the day, but Jim Nugent is the uh, original founder. So yes, he, that's right. It's, it's still, still the publisher today. Yes, and uh, and more importantly, um, Ron Green, who a lot of people know because of his father, a lot of people know because of, of um, Tiger letting him take over his Twitter feed a couple times at golf course openings um, and just being an all-around good writer, um, has kind of been the face of that. But there, there's a whole bunch of wonderful folks um, who work for Global Golf Post. Today was a big day in the history of Global Golf Post. And this is where I shut up and let my guests explain what the heck is going on. So, Sean, take it away. Yeah, well, 10 years ago, we, you know, we started with our, our weekly free issue, which is still continuing. It's very important to preface what I'm about to say with with uh, the fact that our Monday issue is still going to be in existence and, and as strong as ever and, and still free and uh, reliant on, on advertising. But we've launched a new website as of today uh, called Global Golf Post Plus, and it is basically uh, all incredible golf journalism um, from you know a respected and admired media brand, um, but it's going to be subscription-based. There's not going to be any ads on it. Um, we're going to cover the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, European Tour, amateur golf in a uh, more intense way than we ever have. We're going to have more people on the ground. Um, we're going to have someone at basically every single major event that there is, and we're going to be relying on really intense, deep dive feature content that you're going to be able to go on the website every day and get new content and you pay $5 a month and you have all this 
content right at your disposal. Uh, it's a really easy reading experience. It's just, you know, by really respected writers, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be a part of it. Alright, uh, let's go backwards for a second here. Why? Now, now, obviously, you are not the CEO. You can't speak to why, but having been a part of so many of these meetings, what was the impetus for Global Golf Post to take this next step? Right, well, I mean, we kind of felt like there's a hole in the golf industry in a way. I mean, you can find really great content inconsistently at other publications, but we kind of feel like there isn't any publication that consistently produces really quality golf writing that isn't, you know, clickbait oriented or, or anything like that. So we, we feel like, you know, th- there's no question that the digital revolution has kind of diminished golf journalism a little bit over the past decade. It's changed it. And there are new, new companies that have come out that have been really good about evolving, but you know, daily newspapers rarely, if ever, cover golf locally or nationally. And the, the two monthly magazines have lost readers and advertising advertisers, and that's kind of resulted in far smaller issues that have, you know, kind of squeezed out quality golf journalism. So, you know, we don't we feel like there's there's an area where we can provide really quality content and do it in a way that you know people who love golf are going to be able to read this and enjoy it and not to worry about any other distractions and, and we feel like the time is, is now to take that step um, and just some of the names and faces and, and, and correct me if I'm uh, leaving anybody out uh, Cassie Stein Ron Green uh, uh, Steve Eubanks, John Steinbretter uh, John Hopkins who's well known especially overseas um, Louine Mayer I believe is, is how you pronounce that um, you correct, yeah. Yep, um, Ron Syrak does some stuff for you guys. Jim Aikenbach, I think that's the right way of pronouncing it, is that right? Yeah. Um, Paul Rogers, um, Jeff Brook, Colin Callender, Vartan Kuplian, or Kuplian, which is a name a lot of people will... Um, uh, recognized because he does a lot of the stuff for, for themasters.com, Brian Coe, L- L- Leonard Shapiro, Art Spander, who's a legend, Robert Thompson, and and finally, um, Michael Vismas, I believe, or, or sorry, Visma uh, from South Africa. Yeah, there, yeah, he's a South African. He's a, he's a uh, fantastic writer. Visma, I believe, is the right way. Some of this font gets kind of small here. Um, <laughs> as I read through this on uh, on this week's uh, weekly Monday Global Golf Post. So th- that's the name. These are the people. Um, if you like those writers, this is definitely something you'll be interested in. Especially when, when you get guys like Art Spanner who's been around forever or Ron Syrak to go long. Um, I've always said this about Tim Rosefort. Tim Rosefort is great on TV, but he's better writing. John Feinstein is great on TV, but he's better writing. There are some people who just have a gift of being able to write and write in a way that grabs you. And I think you would agree that these people, these legends, can help lure in some people and then get exposed to folks like you, who I know you're a great writer. I know you know what you're doing. But people might not be familiar with you, and this could be another mechanism 
to A, expand your wings, but B, also show people who you are as a writer. Right, yeah. You know, I, I've had the privilege of being able to watch John Hopkins and Ron Green Jr. and Steve Eubanks uh, over the past few years. And their, their, their quality of writing is spectacular. And, and not just that, just the relationships they have in the industry. You know, writing is so much about who you know and what kind of relationships you have. And, and these guys know everybody. And they just have a really intimate relationship with so many different organizations and players. And um, it's just really impressive to see that they could chase a story and have something put together in, in a matter of just a few hours, and it could be really quality content. And um, it's extremely impressive to, to be a part of that, to be a part of that group, and uh, really proud to be a part of it. Yeah, I was on the Sean Fairholm from from Global Golf Post. They introduced a subscription-based, long-form journalism site, Global Golf Post Plus. Uh, today, you can find out more information at globalgolfpost.com. Um, I don't want to ask you how you're financing it. That's not your business. It's not my business. It's not the show's business. I don't ask those questions. But what I think a lot of people could be interested in is, uh, is in is obviously you had a focus group this because you're not going to put the money behind it unless you're sure that you have um, a base out there. When you tested this with people, when you brought it up to people, when you brought up the idea to those to the 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 demographics and and the people you thought might be interested in it what was the reaction you guys got because obviously you got enough positive feedback that you pulled the uh, trigger on this right uh, i'll share one story there was a uh, one pretty high profile uh, person in the golf industry that saw this and and made a pretty passionate plea that we should just ditch our uh, monday issue and uh, and go for uh, go for this subscription-based model and only do that, which of course you know, we're, we would never do. We're um, very committed to the, the free Monday weekly issue. But I, I think that kind of reaction shows that this is the right move. People really are, are interested in this. But also, if you look at the success of other subscription-based models, you look at, look at the athletics the past couple of years, what they've done. Obviously, they've put a ton of money and they've had a lot of capital. So they've they've, you know, infused into that business of paying their writers a lot. And, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different given that they're covering all different kinds of sports. But you look at their success, people are learning that they have to pay in order to get really quality journalism if they want it consistently. If they want to be able to go back every day to the same site, you know, you're not going to be able to go back to any current golf site and get really intriguing, thoughtful, you know, feature content every day and I'm not, I'm not saying that you're gonna you're never gonna find that in, in certain places you will but you know we feel like if you, if you knew every single day of your life you could wake up and go on a website and get really incredible content that you were interested in and you could read take half an hour and read it and you're a golf nerd then you know why wouldn't you want to do that? And we, we got that kind of reaction from people around the golf industry, officials, you know, people who are just passionate about the game, and they were really interested in it. And, uh, and so are we. The, the, the passion is uh, definitely mutual. When you say officials, I just think Mark Russell. I'm not, I'm not even sure you talked to Mark Russell about this, but that's the first thing that popped to mind. <laughs> 
not rules officials. <laughs> yeah, no. Although I'm sure you'll be writing about them as part of this, considering everything are, that's going on. Uh, John Hopkins has a really interesting piece coming out about John Paramore in the next uh, few days, so there's a little tease for uh, for that. Some would say famous, some would say infamous. Depends who you are. Yes, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, if you go to globalgolfpost.com, you'll see the following subscription options. Two weeks free, then $7 a month. Or two free weeks, then $60 for a year. This offers original premium quality golf journalism you cannot find anywhere else, a brilliant advertising free user experience, previews of the Monday Digital Edition content, and the point of my next question majors conference calls with Global Golf Post journalists. Does that mean, Sean Fairholm, you will be on the phone with? Loyal subscribers telling them where to bet their hard-earned money now that gambling is legal. <laughs> I won't be telling anybody where to put any of their money, that's for sure. <laughs> Unless with Global Golf Post Plus, then I'll implore them to uh, subscribe. But in terms of gambling, I will definitely not be uh, on, on the conference line uh, encouraging people to do that. But yeah, we're going to have some pretty interesting uh, deals where you can kind of jump on a line with a few of our writers, and, uh, and we're hoping we're going to have some, some uh, sit-downs where you can go to the Masters and go to a restaurant and, and have kind of a uh, sit-down chat with, uh, with some of our writers. So we're, it's we're a meet-up. We're uh, to offer some of, those, uh, some of those incentives. It's one of those meet-ups, or as Peter King uh, calls them, tweet-ups. Right, there you go. If you find them via Twitter. Um, you, you know, you've said to me off-air that, that you're pumped to get out there and cover the PGA Tour. Um, so let's take this 30,000 feet. Um, somebody shot 64, somebody shot 66, the, the guy leads by two, um, that's day one, somebody didn't play well, they thought the whole location on 14 was a little questionable, blah, blah, blah. What are you most interested in finding out? Because one of the things that, that The Athletic has thrived in is being able to not have to go nuts and bolts, and they can dive deeper and figure out, you know, and, and, and I think they... I think this would be the golfing equivalent. Tiger, for example, for the first time in his career, switched to soft spikes at the end of last year because of ankle wear and tear. He's been a metal spike player his whole life, basically. Um, is that the kind of stuff that you're looking to most get into? And what is the stuff that it, it, that you're hoping um, this allows you to do to get beyond 64, 66 leads by two? Thank you very much. Good night. So if you're watching a golf tournament, or if you're in a media center at a golf tournament, the, the story of the day is usually pretty obvious. You know, someone, like you said, is leading a tournament by three strokes. Someone is, has maybe notable and played poorly. Everyone kind of knows what the story is in, if you're in a golf media center. Our job is to kind of go totally in the opposite direction of that. You know, find something out that is not the quote-unquote story of the day and, and dive really deep into that topic or take what people consider the story of the day and view it through a totally different lens that nobody else is viewing it through. I think that's kind of the, the motto that we're going by is, you know, okay, it's Thursday, round one of, uh, of the Phoenix Open. I'm going to be headed out to Scottsdale in, in a few weeks. When someone shoots 63, we're not going to go out and just write the nuts and bolts news piece about someone shooting 63 it's more about why it happened and 
maybe it's not even about writing about that person. Maybe it's some, something totally different, another experience in the course, something else that, that you're going to learn about that you didn't know before. And it's going to be informative. You know, we want people to learn when they when they read the publication. We don't want people to, to be able to get information that they could just go on to pgatour.com and see. You know, that, that's, that's not helpful at all to anybody. We want people to really enjoy the site, learn about it, and have fun and and read it and just have a good time. And I think that's, uh, that, that requires some creativity. It requires some, some thought process. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on several stories that, you know, it, it takes a long time to put these together, but they're, they're worth it. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be kind of viewing things through a different lens. And, uh, when you see it, you're going to want to read it. You know, when you, when you see the description of it, every, every, if you're a golf fan, you're going to want to read it. Um, that's, uh, that's what every writer hopes for. So obviously, um, I hope that you and every other writer for, for Global Golf Post Plus, um, gets that reaction from, from every reader. Cause speaking for myself, I want to read stuff that, that is enticing. Um, have, have you purchased earplugs yet for Phoenix? No, I'm, I'm excited. I've, I've never been to the tournament. I've played the course. I haven't been to the tournament yet, so I'm, uh, it'll be interesting. I've, I've heard a lot, a lot of good things, a lot of interesting things. It'll be, it'll be fun to get out there. Public service announcement, Sean. Uh, you have a wonderful fiancé that is looking to marry you. You don't want to lose your hearing because you need to hear her say her vows so that you can then say your vows. So, you know. I promise. I promise I'll, I'll, I'll wear some earplugs. Okay. Um, you know, we can have fun with that all we want, but that tournament is just bonkers loud, and then it's on, and then this year it gets the added layer of, of, uh, of uh, uh, being Johnny Miller's uh, fond farewell to, to televised golf. Uh, talking to Sean Fairholm here from Global Golf Post. They just unveiled a new subscription uh, service, a new subscription long-form website that will be uh, in, in, in service. It, uh, uh, by the way, speaking of that, this is going to be in the form of a website, right? It's not going to be like an email thing or anything? Uh, in, in what form will this writing be seen in? It is a website. It is globalgolfpost.com. You will have the option of receiving emails. Um, you know, all of us know that getting too many emails is kind of annoying yes you know you have, you have the option of if you want if you want an email every time a story is posted then that's your prerogative and you can click that option if you want a weekly recap email of of uh, all the stories that were posted throughout the week then you know you can click that option if you don't want any emails and you just want to go to globalgolfpost.com whenever you want to go then then uh you can do that as well all right um so globalgolfpost.com for the new subscription service. Since you're on the phone, it's a perfect segue. I need to eat my words. So I'm hoping you can help me do that. Um, I said on this radio show, uh, podcast, and in, and in other places, that I thought Xander Shoffley was a fluke. That, that, that he would be a one-hit wonder. His Greenbrier win was nice, but like many others, he would just you know have his nice little one win. And, and go on and then even after the tour championship I thought alright he just wrote his momentum he was playing with house money whatever boy was I wrong first of all so I apologize to Xander and his and his uh, father 
Secondly, I've heard a lot of people try to place him amongst golfers under 30. Um, sorry, U.S. golfers under 30, which I think is ridiculous because it's going to change. You know, it's it's like what food do you want? You know, sometimes you want chicken and then the next week you want turkey. It doesn't mean chicken is, is horrible anymore. It's just you want to change your pace. Um, and with how deep golf is, I, I, I don't think that's fair. Um, but it's clear that Xander Shoffley is now a, a force to be reckoned with and a legitimate golfer on, on, on the grand scale up there with the likes of everybody who we know. So uh, to Xander and his family, I apologize for um, totally getting his ceiling wrong. Um, be honest, did, 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 did you think Xander would do what he's done in these past 20 months or so? I mean, I couldn't say that he would be number six in the world and have four wins and finish second at the Players' Championship and the Open Championship. And if not for a uh, crying baby on the Open Championship on the 17th hole, maybe uh, maybe you would have got up and down there. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't say that he would be where he is today. I think, <laughs> I think if you uh, told anybody, I think they'd be lying if they were that ambitious. But I, I thought he had... After the after 2016 Aaron Hills, I I don't know he kind of he had a certain swagger to him, and I, I kind of liked the way that he played. I, I I wouldn't have been surprised if you would have told me that he would have won by now, but I would be surprised if you would have told me that you know he has as many wins as Ricky Fowler, and he's he's a uh, you know he's only 61 starts or so, and uh, I believe into his uh, PGA Tour career, and he has four wins and. Uh, he's just a really good player. I mean, it's the, the value of winning, right? I mean, I, I, I've heard uh, a lot of people play that game, you know, is, is winning uh, an overrated thing or an underrated compared to being consistent. And he's, uh, he's obviously he's consistent as well, but he's, he, he wins. He's, uh, all four of his wins have been when he did not have the 54-hole lead. And he, he, he comes up with a way to win golf tournaments. And, you know, some people just kind of have that, in them, where they they play better when they when they're when they're chasing and when they have the opportunity, and he's come up with it. And you got to tip your hat. That you do. Um, and what's interesting about that four stat? A, that's the mandatory golf stat. So just want to get that out of the way. We are obliged by laws passed by Congress to mention anybody who gets four wins, which makes them equivalent to Ricky Fowler. Um, just, just, just get that out of the way. Some housekeeping part matters. Of our job. What? It's a part of our job. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, when when you look at his game, he's just consistent, and he stole it from Tony Finau in China. He stole it from Gary Woodland on Sunday with sixty two, um, hitting two gorgeous draws in the seventeen and eighteen, or, or actually, I, I I think the one on eighteen may be better described as a sweeping hook. Um, uh, thank you, Top Tracer. Um, <laughs> it just, he comes up with the right shot at the right time, and no one else had birdied 17 all day on Sunday until he did. I mean, it's, it, it, there are some guys who have the it thing, and he has come up with the it. And to your point about winning being underrated or overrated, a lot of people point to Justin Rose, who won at Colonial, but was basically consistent the rest of the way, and he won the FedEx Cup because of it. Tiger almost won the FedEx Cup doing the exact same thing. One win and a whole bunch of seconds and, and top sixes. Um, 
But Tiger and Justin Rose would much rather have for Rose major number two and for Tiger major number 15 than in a FedEx Cup. As happy as he was to win $10 million, I'm sure if you asked Justin Rose to be honest with you, he would trade that for another major any day. Um, look at all the Masters he's been close to. So it is interesting that I think for guys like Xander, winning cannot be overrated. For guys like Rose... Um, and maybe Ricky and, and what's wrong with Ricky, it is what um, is, uh, it's winning at the right time, it's peaking at the right time, but it's also not not getting too up on what is housekeeping matters. And I, and I think, and, and let's be honest for a second here, if, Ty, if, if, if Justin Rose wins... The Sony Open. If if, if 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 hypothetically he plays and he wins the Sony, right? Or actually, here here's a better example. Here, Justin Thomas shoots fifty nine, wins the wins the Sony Open, going away. If you wanted to rank the wins in Justin Thomas's career, that's not one of the ones you would put up top. I think in terms of importance for moving on to the next stage of his career. For Xander, I think he would put the TOC win you know, right up there as another stepping stone win. And that's, I think, the difference between winning being underrated for some and overrated for others. Right. And the tournament of champions, you know, you got, what, 33 guys after, I think, one of them withdrew. Yeah, Kevin now with a finger injury. Right, right. But I think when you're talking about Ricky, I mean, the, the part about him that I, I think is just the the truth is that he hasn't hit the ball far enough. I mean, I, I this is mentioned. This has been mentioned to death, but you know, like basically, strokes gained off the tee has become the number one overwhelming, most important stat. And you know, the strongest part of Ricky's game has probably been his, his putting over the years. It's probably the, what he does best. And it, you know, I, I think I went through uh, the, the top thirty finishers in the FedEx Cup last year. Their collective average rank in strokes game putting was like 70th. It's, I, I mean, it's not to say that putting is totally, you know, irrelevant. It's not, but it's it's really the PGA Tour has become how far and straight can you hit it? How wh- where are you in the strokes uh, gained off the tee stat? Hello, Cameron Champ. <laughs> okay, hello, Cameron Champ and Norman Zhang and all these kids that are going to come up and just blow up past everybody and they had it straight too that's the scariest part is that they're not just hitting it everywhere they're straight and long and and, and if you're and if you play like that you really only need to have a good putting week to win and you saw cameron champ rank number one in strokes game putting that week that he won and uh at sanderson so uh, i just think that that's the brutal truth with ricky is that you know it's not that he's short but he's just not long enough to his, his margin of error is smaller than a lot of the other guys to your point and I'm, I'm trying to do this on the fly here um, driving distance the stat he was 61st at 299.8 on all drives he was 57th uh, last season um, sure strokes gained off the tee he was 55th it's not bad um, it's just it's just middle of the road, and when you're middle of the road, it puts a lot of pressure on your short game. And he was 
21st in approach to the green, 31st in around the green, and 43rd in strokes game putting. And Yeah, don't, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was, was it last year that he was, uh, not, not this past season, but the year before that, where he was uh, number one in strokes game putting, or at, at the very top of the Second in 2017. At, and, uh, and this year, um, you know, obviously uh, a top top third of the PGA Tour, but not anywhere near as, uh, as dominant in, in, in the putting statistics as he as he was in the past which you know that's the difference between you know winning honda and and then playing better um the, the year before than he did this past year here's an interesting thought uh, thought experiment to that he uh, the year the year you're thinking of is 2017 he was second right um, if we go to 2017 off the tee, his average driving distance was 300 his all drives was exactly the same it was 290.2 so he didn't hit it any far enough. He was 35th in strokes gained off the tee, but he was 25th around the green and second in putting. Right, which speaks to, look, if he's going to win, he has to do it in other ways. He, he has to be really an elite player in the other categories. That's, that's the whole, like, Kevin Kisner model as well. He, he, you know, Kevin Kisner has to be top 40 or top 30 in all the categories in order to win or in order to be a consistent player that's up there in the top top 20 in the world but if you if you're a guy who can be in the top 20 of strokes gained off the tee your margin for error is so much wider with all the other categories you, you can afford to be you know 110th in putting and still be competitive and still win tournaments and and just think about this kevin kisner i believe was was winless last year in the pga tour yeah, I believe so. Yeah. 122nd in strokes gain off the tee, 169th in strokes gain approach to the green, 143rd in strokes gain around the uh, around the green, 12th in putting. Right. <laughs> right. Great putter. But that's, that's not going to save you. No, and, and 122nd in greens and regulation. I, that's just not going to save you. And his driving distance by that, by that same metric, hold on a second, by that same metric that we just used with Ricky, He's 290 driving distance, 283 all drives. So he hits it even shorter. It puts even more pressure on on his iron game and his putter, and only his putter showed up last year. Right. It would be great for Colonial and Harbortown and a, a few other places, uh, you know, Innisbrook, but uh, the majority of these places are, are not rewarding uh, players like Kevin, Kevin Kisner. They're not rewarding them at all. They're, they're rewarding... Cameron Champ. That's that's the uh, that's going to happen, and you saw the average age of the PGA Tour has, has dipped dramatically in the past few years, and uh, that trend's probably going to continue. He is Sean Fairholm. He is a writer for Global Golf Post. I, I forgot to rattle off what, excuse me, what your official title is. Uh, what is your official title? I, I am officially a staff writer. Okay, he is officially the staff writer. For Global Golf Post, which today unveiled a subscription service, a website, Global Golf Post Plus, where you can find enhanced long-form writing about the golf tournaments happening on all tours around the world. Uh, that's what Sean is. Um, you can find him at Phoenix wearing earplugs. Um, so if you see a media member who's young wearing earplugs, it's probably Sean. Um, <laughs> And uh, you can find them online. Sean, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Shine.
Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, enjoy. <laughs>